Hello everyone and welcome to Ghost Herd Stories. I'm your host, Troy Gent. Ghost Herd Stories' mission is using humorous stories from veterans and first responders to reduce the burden of families whose veteran or first responder committed suicide. Ghost Herd Stories' vision is to use humor from veteran and first responder stories to prevent suicide within our ranks and reduce the burden of families whose veteran or first responder committed suicide. We hoped to attract veterans and first responders as well as those interested in knowing more about what it's like to be in our shoes while we wear or wore those shoes. I welcome everybody. This is Troy. Today, my guest is Curtis, and he is the brother of uh, Jeff Holt, my uh, real good friend, I'd say best friend from the Marine Corps, who in the early hours of New Year's Day this year committed suicide, and he's the whole reason that I've decided to start this podcast and start the uh, the company that's going to be a result of this podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Curtis, for coming and welcome. How are you? I'm I'm doing great, Troy. Thanks. Thank you so much uh, for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Well, would you mind telling us? what unit you were with and if you feel comfortable what time frame sure i was um i was with third tracks so i was with bravo company um and down in 33 area del mar in you know 99 to 2004 98 to 2004 something like that something like that in that in that neighborhood um so i was a i was a, a camp pendleton guy how did uh, how did that work with? Did you just reenlist for two years, kind of a thing? Did you sign up for six? I, stop or? loss actually hit me. Um, so I, you know, of course, um, n- you know, nine eleven happens, and I was actually home on advance party back from Japan, and for like two weeks, um, so we could start prepping to get tracks back and stuff. And, you know, then nine 11 happened. So since we're in the middle of it, we were just like, Oh, okay. And they were like, stand by and get ready. Cause you're going back to Japan. <laughs> so then, you know, stop loss hit and, and, uh, got an extended, got an extended tour. So got, got almost my fifth year in because of stop loss. So, Okay. And then what uh, would you decide to do afterward? Afterward, I I did a little bit of everything. I I I tried going back to school. I I I don't think I was as serious about it as I as I wanted to, so I jumped around in junior colleges for a little bit and then I then I wound up in in Texas where I I took a job doing um clinical research and then I I started to take things more seriously. I met my wife doing um, doing clinical research um, for Marines in Twenty Nine Palms. So they were doing hearing research, and um, they 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 brought me on as uh, sort of a an RA, um, just sort of a, a a helper to record data and just ma- make sure that guys were were doing the right thing. So I could talk to them about you know signing. 
um, informed consents and, you know, trying to help trying to help Marines uh, prevent hearing loss is actually uh, how it all got started. And then and then I moved out to Texas and I, I did clinical research for like six years before I got my degree in English um, and then then jumped around and uh, did a couple more random things. And then I ended up here in Virginia getting my uh get my get my teaching credentials in order so I can uh so I can teach high school English now. It's a it's a it's a far cry from being an am tracker um in the Marine Corps, but it's it's still a fantastic time. Awesome. Awesome. My dad was a a English and Spanish teacher for 40 no years. No way. So Where at? Where at? He finished in in Beaver, Utah. Oh yeah. He was yeah, he taught in Washington and Oregon states. Did you ever tell your high school students any of your stories? Yeah, you know, yeah, I I think I I, I do I do tell them a little bit of of things. Usually, um, usually I'll tell them like I I think I remember pretty early MCT right, which is like you know you've just finished the little bit of the depot, and then they they you get to come home for a couple of weeks, you know, and then they they. They ship you off, and I remember trying to outsmart the system by. Um, I mean, you were actually a grunt, so you you had a different thing, right? You didn't do MCT. Uh, I did SOI. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. So right. So mine, yeah, mine was like a, you know, a revamped three week version of SOI. It's the it's the imitation where. Uh, because everyone's, every a, Marine everyone's a, rifleman, a rifleman, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone's a rifleman. Everyone's a rifleman first. So, yeah. So you you go to the you go to the pretend infantry school and and you go do the things and the uh, instructors are great. Everyone was great, but I uh, you know I was little. I you know I'm 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 six four two twenty five now, but I you know coming out of boot camp, I was I was six four, probably like a like a buck 55. So. Oh yeah. You were kind of a bean. Yeah. So that, you know, and you know, they fill your head with the, there's only two kinds of Marines. You know, you're either a Rottweiler or you're a Doberman. You're, you're big and mean or you're skinny and you're mean. And I was, I was definitely skinny. I don't know that I was mean, but I, I remembered MCT just trying to outthink uh, or trying to outthink problems, you know, trying to, you know, we'd go on these like 10 mile hikes or whatever. And, and I'd be trying to, you know, pull my arm, you know, through my blouse and 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 tie it off on the ammo can that was filled with cement to try to, uh, you know, <laughs> just to try and lose. I was like, look, my body can carry the weight, but like my fingers cannot. So this is like the way smarter way to handle this is in my mind. <laughs> I've never heard of anybody doing yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, now it came back around and they were just like, you can't do that. But that was in the form of like you push with the <laughs> rifle off the ground instead of doing the thing and then and then pick up the ammo can with your fingers and you know alternate it every 50 yards or however far you could carry it so yeah yeah it's uh some of the when you're in the marine corps for like the first year or so they really don't want you to think so much as much as they want you just to do what they tell you to instant do, right? willing obedience to orders dog <laughs> instant willing obedience to orders so so the idea of you uh doing things like tying your blouse to the ammo can <laughs> is like whoa 
this is like way above where you're supposed to be thinking. You know, this. and you know, at the time, I <laughs> I probably thought that I was real smart because I I did okay in the ASVAB, and um, so I'll, I'll I'll tell you this, I I was I had just got to boot camp, you know, Jeff, um, he he was already in for like a year or something, and and so they they let you write letters, right? So I would. You know, on on Sunday, you you do what any good Marine does. You you find which is the longest service and you go and you write your letters and then they will mail them for you. Right. Is that what you did? Well, I'm uh, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, so uh, nicknamed Mormon. So I'm a Mormon. But but uh, the Mormons always had the longest service. They did have the longest service. Is that? Is that who, that is who I went to. And that was, and that again was on the recommendation, uh, you know, uh, from Jeff. He was like, he was like, the service is an extra 30 minutes. He was like, they're, you know, everyone's nice. Like we, we, I grew up in a, in a, you know, a small, a small town, Spring Creek, Nevada. So there was a, a real, a real heavy influence from, from the church and just fantastic people, uh, far and wide, uh, loved, loved all the experiences from, from my more friends. But the fact that, that I could have an extra 30 minutes of time where I was not going to get yelled at, I, I really appreciated that. And so I would, I would write, I, you know, I'd write people letters and, and, and Jeff, he wrote me every week, you know, no matter what, no matter where he was, I got a letter from him every single week. Yeah, he really wanted me to to stay motivated and and to stay uh, to stay hungry since we had, you know, done so much growing up together. And and one day he he writes me this letter. And he's like, "Hey man, uh, he's like, who who are your drill instructors? Because I I like he's like, you know, it's a shot in the dark. But like I know a lot of people now. I've been in for you know a year and some change, and you know I I might know those guys. So you should." you know, just, just tell me who they are. And I was like, Oh yeah, Bo, you know, it's Stassar and so-and-so and Stassar and so-and-so and Sar and so-and-so. And I, and I, I remember just, I was like, Oh man, this is going to be so awesome. If I get friends of the program in here about two weeks later, he wrote the drill instructors individually. <laughs> and he was like, you know, hey, staff sergeant so and so, hey, sergeant so and so, this is my brother. I'm. This is you know, I'm, you know, I'm with, I'm with three seven or whatever. And he was just like, you know, smoke my brother and like, <laughs> yeah. And so I spent the next, I I spent the next like week and a half just living on the quarter deck, just getting smoked just for the fun of it. And they just. <laughs> And they they could not stop laughing about it. They thought it was great. They were just like, we've seen a lot, but like this guy, this guy really wants you to be strong. So, I grew up with all sisters and I had the fortune of being in the Marine Corps infantry for eight total years. And it was the only time that uh, I was around all men. And so it was like I had countless numbers of brothers for eight years and it was an incredible experience so and that's what just what we do with each other we just mess with mess with each other we can laugh about anything together and it's just it's incredible yeah it's it's shared misery i i try and tell people it's it's what shared misery shared misery is everything 
It will it will carry you through most adversity if you let it. You got to share in it because you're all going to be up at the same time, doing the same thing, going on the same runs. You know that that those kind of things they they bring you closer together, closer than than uh, than your average folks. For sure. Well, we would go to we would go to Cax's, and I was I was fortunate enough to have a cell phone and, and be able to get a hold of my brother. So we would we would link up uh whenever we could for for Caxes and we would play a joke on his guys or my guys. I would line up some of my younger guys all in formation around him and some of his guys. You know, he was always ranked above me. I think at the time he he might have been, you know, Corporal Holt or Sergeant Holt when I was just Corporal Hamill and I would get my guys into formation and I would I would sort of explain, I'd be like, yeah, you know, this is, you know, my brother, but different, different parents or whatever. And so what I would do, you know, cause Jeff was a big guy. He was, you know, six, five, two thirty on a bad day. Yeah. He was just a, hu- a humongous human. You know, he'd go to Zeke's and he'd be holding 50 cal rifles with his one in each arm. And he'd send me videos of him shooting them. So he was, I mean, he was an enormous human. But I would I would line up my guys in formation and then I'd break it down the small school circle and I'd be like, if you guys really want a good story about this guy, I'm like, go go ask him about his brother. Um, his brother was an Olympic push-up champion, and I can't remember exactly how many push-ups he did, but I was like, you go ask go ask Sergeant Holt about that whenever you get a chance. Are you making this part up? Like when you tell him this. Yeah, so I would be I would be telling my guys I'd be like, hey, you know, we're gonna be working with these guys, so you know, but but if you want to hear like a cool story where you'll just like, <laughs> and so I'd have like a couple guys do push-ups so it gets in their brain, you know, I'm planting the seed, and then like they'd be like, oh man, you know, I could only do you know fifty, seventy-five, whatever the thing is. I'd be like, yeah, but like you can't even touch the the Olympic level that uh, that his that his brother can do. Eventually, somebody would always go ask him. They'd be like, "Hey, man, I, uh, I, hey, hey, Sergeant, I, I heard your, I heard your brother can, can do, can do a lot of push-ups." <laughs> my brother would just look him dead in the face and be like, "My brother doesn't have any arms." <laughs> who, who told you that? I'm gonna murder you, and like you would just see the face of fear, like you've never seen fear. My my screensaver for him is is a picture of a guy with no arms <laughs> because because I I just could not get over the fact that we used to do this back and forth all the time and he would you know sometimes he would do it to for his guys oh I found it is your if if you can still see my camera thing <laughs> there's a guy with no arms on there yeah yeah. I thought that was uh Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we've been running that joke um my 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 entire adult life. That's hilarious. Did uh did now he made threats to him, but did did he follow up with anything, push ups or anything or it was all just scare tactics and then I would be like, You didn't really ask him about it, I'd be like, Get get go go back to the tracks. <laughs> I'd be I'd just be yelling at those guys. One time I actually forgot um I forgot to tell a guy it was a joke and he stressed about it. Cause we, you know, at CAX you split up with, with whoever you're with. And 
and so we we took off with one unit and um and my brother with another and he was just like oh my god uh when we get back i i think your brother might kill me and he worried about it for like two days and i i because we had split up i i didn't have a chance to tell him it was just a joke so (laughs) that one that one lasted for way too long yeah what uh yeah, what else, what other crazy stuff did you do? How do I how do I try and be as as PC about this as possible? You, you know, I spent almost two years in Japan. What uh, what what base were you on? Tip of the spear at Camp Schwab. Uh, if you remember, if you remember Camp Schwab, the first time we went there, you do what everybody does. You buy a TV, you buy a VCR. Back when. VHS tapes were still available. And then I'd have people from the States send me like, I was like, Hey, just send me, you know, tape, whatever you could. And so people would send me like Dawson's Creek, like the full series on like VHS. And I'd be (laughs) like, this is perfect. This is just the kind of drama I was, I was looking for. And so you'd, you'd, you know, you'd watch everything on your, on your TV. And then, then it'd be time to go home and you'd have the option to, to ship your, your TV home, but then you'd look at it and it cost almost as much as you paid for the TV. So what we'd do is we'd, we'd have a couple cocktails, uh, as, as you might do. Now, in, in, at Camp Schwab, a little bit different because unless you're an officer or a staff NCO, you, you can't buy liquor. You can, you can buy beer, but you can't buy liquor. So there was a staff sergeant that would buy liquor and we would trade him we would trade him for beer. He liked beer more than he did liquor, but he had a limit of the beer he could buy. So we would, we would buy whatever the equivalent was and we would, and we would just trade him straight across so that we could have something for the, for the barracks. And then we would, we'd get a couple cocktails deep and a couple days before, before we were scheduled to go back home, we would have the TV Olympics and what we would do at the barracks, we would go up to the top floor, right? Which is the, which I think for <laughs> us was the fourth floor. And we would have, um, you know, depending on what TV you bought and we would throw them off the roof, sometimes for distance, sometimes for spin. We had, I remember we made up a bunch of categories for, for all the things. It made it a real worthwhile ad- adventure to see your you know, your $150 TV fly across a field. We just shatter TVs until we got caught. <laughs> we, uh, we had this guy and you only do stuff like this. If you're drunk. I mean, I guess every <laughs> once in a while, that, I guess every once in a while you find someone that's dumb enough to do something like this when they're not drinking, but he got this poncho liner and he, I think yeah, so he put two corners in each hand, oh, and he decided. No. Oh, I think he was on. No. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, so and this is in Camp Schwab. So he decides that he wants to uh, go skydiving out of the third story, and he jumps, and of course the poncho liner doesn't work, and I think he actually broke his back. But oh my gosh. I mean, <laughs> I still like a good poncho liner to this day. I I will still use one as an all-purpose blanket downstairs, but I can tell you without a doubt they are not parachute um, friendly. 
you end up doing a, a lot of a lot of dumb things because when you don't have when you don't have time to exercise your brain, you fill it with alcohol, and then the and then the bad ideas come. We were doing the planning for what would become the invasion for the Baghdad airport in Yuma, Arizona. There was a there was a base out there, and so we went and we went and did some things out there. And I remember. I got fapped out to be a, a Humvee driver for an officer, and I was like, "Cool, cool. This is this will be this will be fine." And I went with a buddy of mine. He was he was my A driver. They they picked us both to go, and so I was like, "Oh, you know what? Yeah, you. Even though we're not supposed to drink, I'll I'll bring. I'm gonna bring something." So I went I went to the liquor store and got like, I got like a big plastic jug of. Old Crow. This is like possible. This is like the worst possible <laughs> thing. I was like, I'm not going to spend money in this because I don't know how long it's going to be in the sun or whatever. So I remember we rolled it in our sleeping bags and took it with us. And probably like the first night we were out there, it had gotten so hot it cracked and leaked all over my my sleeping bag system. When we stopped, I I told my buddy I was like, Oh my god, we're about to get NGP'd. You hadn't you hadn't drank at all. It just, just leaked, leaked all over. But like the back of my Humvee, <laughs> I got the sir back there, and I'm like, oh, all right, sir, well, we got your spot, and like, oh, and you know, so I have to like jerry rig tie my sleeping bag like underneath the thing, like find a way to throw away the the broken thing of of old crow. When were you planning on drinking that? Part of our deal was like every day we had to set up the CP for all these big wigs. So when it, after we'd done setting up, they'd give us some free time. You know, we were not necessary personnel. We were, we were am trackers who happened to be, you know, Humvee licensed. So were you, uh, were you given libo or just, you were in the field still, but you were just doing whatever you wanted. Yeah. We were still in the field and we were just like, Oh, we'll just, we'll bring two things and we'll, we'll see what happens. Was it authorized? Or was it like you were? It, sneaking we were it? sneaking it for sure. For sure, okay. we were sneaking it. We were. <laughs> then I had to sleep just with my poncho liner. That's why it's probably my best friend stills because I I couldn't use my my sleeping system. We we decided to do a company smoker. You you guys ever throw any smokers? Uh, I've never heard that term. Uh-uh. Uh, like a like boxing matches. Again, when you're bored at the barracks, this is what you're going to do. So we set up boxing matches. So we got two sets of boxing gloves. We had four or six pairs of boxing gloves for some reason. And um, my buddy goes, I I just want to spar a little bit. So we go back to his room and I'm like, all right, you know, I think I'm tough stuff. So I'm throwing a little here, throwing a little there and touched him up with a, with a jab. And he came around with like a left cross and he, he turned my lights out. And I remember waking up trying to tune him up for his fight and he got tired beating me up in his room we would do a bull in the ring a lot they would just say hey there's no punching in the face but everything else pretty much you know was was a go so one of the most scared times ever in my life was going to your barracks in 29 palms and just watching the kid from montana who was a state wrestling champion just oh, just coats yeah. and just <laughs> yeah just watching him like like that dude went through like ten people that day and was just looking for more. Like I, <laughs> like he beat up Jeff. He beat up, I mean he beat up I, everyone I saw that night. 
He beat all of us up, dude. I I could not. <laughs> I'd never seen a dude um, just run through that many people. You know, Chris, he went to combat later to Iraq with the National Guard unit, but September 11th happened a month before I got out the first time. So Chris never saw combat, and he was he just liked to fight anyway, but, I mean, he was real releasing some aggression by just let's who I'll fight everybody every day. I don't care. I just want to fight. There are some MMA guys that don't have it as many fights as that guy had. I feel like that guy was scrapping daily. Every time I see him, I try to get him. I try to pick a fight with him and he won't fight with me anymore. He's going to listen to this. I I actually already interviewed him. So (laughs) I think all of his girls kind of call him. He's got, I think, uh, four or five daughters and he's got one son and this, his son walks it behind him, who's like, I think he's eight now. Let's just punch him in the back of the head. <laughs> so, <laughs> does it feel feel like payback? Feel feel like payback? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what it is. I bet he could still sling it. I bet. Oh, he could. He could if he wanted to. I've been using Isogenics since 2017. These products have made a world of difference in my quality of life, health, energy, muscle definition, strength, and endurance. My bread and butter products have been the Daily Essential Multivitamins with Isogenesis, which is a telomere support supplement, the Isolane Meal Replacement Shake, the Tri-Release Protein Shake, the Collagen, the Green Drink, and the Cleanse for Life Support System. However, Isogenics has many products and can cater to your unique lifestyle and goals. Click the link in the show notes or visit nmp.isagenics.com. That's nmp.isagenix.com to find out more. Besides just using the products, there is an option to partner with me and the company build your own business with no capital up front. You can do as little as pay for your products and as much as making a full-time income. I love these products and will use them the rest of my life. You can also message me if you have any questions. I mean, uh, you're a big human too. What do you what do you what are you walking around at? Like you're 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 a pretty big dude. I'm about two forty right now, so I'm pretty heavy, pretty heavy into the weights. I'll I'll try and use my jujitsu. So next time I see you, we'll we'll get the mats out and we'll do it safely. Oh, you'll smoke you'll smoke me, dude. I don't. That's the only way I ever beat my brother in my entire life. Two Christmases ago, on, on the, the kitchen, kitchen floor, floor right? the only time I've ever <laughs> beat him in my entire life. It's just it's funny to see when brothers get together still act like they're. 10 years old he came to visit me in san diego and he was staying at my house in the gas lamp and i i went to a i went to a special boutique store at one of the malls and i got a thing called da bomb hot sauce it used to be the hottest thing you could find now they've got stuff way hotter but i brought this stuff home and i was like hey man i'm I'm making some bacon and eggs and i was like i got the sauce but it's almost like a joke because it's so hot and he was like, well, don't, he was like, don't be shy. He's like, I can take it. And I, I put like a couple, a couple drops in this thing. And he's like, no, a little more. So I gave him like a little squirt and he takes a bite of this egg and cheese burrito. And he is just like, then he's just living with ice in his mouth 
for the next. And he's like tears in his eyes. Like he can't stand it. He's just like, oh my God. He's like, you have to try it. And I was like, I will not try it. I was like, I bought this stuff to not try it. (laughs) And he was like, well, you will try it or I will make you try it. And I was just like, oh, listen, I got to drive back to base right now. And he was like, you're going to try it. He held me down, unscrewed the top and just rubbed it in my lips and in my gums and in my mouth. And I was just like, oh, my God. And so now I am living underneath the sink. Those things are oil based. So you have to use like Dawn dishwashing (laughs) stuff to get it off. We laughed about it and. You know, we were going out that night. So I put the DeBomb hot sauce in my cargo pants and took it with us to the bar. And my brother went to the bathroom and I got it out and I put a bunch inside of his beer and I put it around the inside rim, the inside rim of his beer bottle. And when he got back, I did the thing where you just like you click the top and I was like, cheers, brother. I love you. And I, I, I hit the top of his beer so it would start to foam. So he had to just shoot it back. And he gave me a look mid beer that was just, it was like, okay, I, I earned this one. Uh, he was still almost throwing up at the bar, but it, it was not as bad as it was when we were at the house earlier. So, well, the real joke was on me later. Um, so because I just, I wiped it off with some, some napkins. We laughed about it and we kept going on about our, about our day and, but eventually, you know, you got to use the restroom. And like I said, it's it's oil based. And so it stays on you. <laughs> and I went pee later and, you know, I come back from the head and I'm just like, God, I get as is it hot in here or is it just or is it just my nether regions? And I had <laughs> and I had forgot to, like, wash my hands pre pre bathroom. And so I was just like, oh, I got my I ended up getting myself. I've got a notebook here where I'm just like checking them off as I can half remember them. Trying to remember every stupid $20 tattoo I got. Yeah. What's the stupidest tattoo you saw someone get? Well, we were told not to get one when we went to Thailand and we found a guy who was like, he's like, I'll do whatever you want for $20. And so I was like, that's a done deal. I was like, put the Grim Reaper right on my back. I'm still like a 170 pound guy, very little. So there, there I was with the, with the Grim Reaper on my back for, for $20. I think he did a good job at the time, but that thing has stretched out since then. And so now he's like the Grimpa Reaper. <laughs> so he's, he's a lot, he's a lot bigger. He's a lot older. Now I'm looking for cover up, which is going to cost me way more than $20. <laughs> did you get any tattoos? Are you, are you tattoo guy or did you, or did you manage to get out with none? I managed to get out with zero. I bought Black Sabbath tickets in Vegas to take my sister to the concert. My thir- my sister is 13 years older than me. And this was in, oh gosh, it must have been 99 or something. And uh, she was like, I want to go to a tattoo parlor and I want to tattoo eventually. I want to see if maybe I'll find what I want. So, and at that time I was thinking maybe I should get a tattoo. What would I want? This and that. I went in there and the, the dude that was doing tattoos, he was bald and his whole head was tattooed and his face was tattooed. And I looked at him like, I'm never getting a tattoo ever. <laughs> 
So that was my only time that I considered it for a brief, brief amount of time. But I think the irony is the guy who gave me a tattoo had no tattoos. He was just doing it because uh, military deployments there all the time. And he's like, I, I can do a business, you know, I can start a business here. So I get, I mean, he was a good artist. We had seen some, oh man, you know, okay. You want, you want a tattoo story? I got one. I just thought of this just now. Oh man, one of these guys would would kill me. I'll tell him that we're going to talk about it. Um, so we we had we had an artist in our unit, and like I said, you know, we got stuck on the rock uh, in Japan for you know almost two years. One of the guys who was really good at art is like, I'm going to order a tattoo gun off this. You know, it wasn't website back then. You had to m- mail it in or whatever. And he was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna order the kit, and it's going to come. And he's like. I'm going to need practice canvases. So he was like free tattoos are on their way. And so sure enough, weeks go by and he gets his kit. He would sketch them out and then practice on his own thighs and his legs. And he starts giving away free tattoos. Like we had one guy that had USMC get on his chest or whatever. And it was, it was okay. It wasn't great, but, and then, we had a guy, um, and he says, I want propellers on my butt cheeks. <laughs> and he was like, because when, when it's time for me to get intimate, I want to be able to go <laughs> to let him know that the motor's working. If you've never had a tattoo, one of the things you have to do is you have to make sure that the area you're about to tattoo is clean. And... So we had all gathered in this room and I remember that never laughing so hard in my life um, because we had to shave this guy's ass because he couldn't do it on his own. And we were about to put propellers on there. <laughs> and I, I will say, though, after it was done, I would say the propellers were some of his best work up to up to that point. I mean, he had done some other stuff that was okay, but those propellers were actually pretty legit, and they looked just like boat propellers. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. The dumbest one I heard of was a Marine that didn't want to spend the money. He, he wanted it to look like he had pistols oh, in his belt no. when he had his shirt off. So he got tattoos of pistols, basically it looked like they were hanging out of his belt buckle in his pants, but he didn't want to spend the money to get the whole pistol drawn. So he only had half the pistols. So when he took his <laughs> pants off, there was only half a pistol on each side. Versus... <laughs> you know, that's going to be a conversation starter wherever you go. You're, you're always going to be able to, to, you know, just pull your shirt up just a little bit and be like, don't make me pull this thing out. Cause there's only, there's only half of it. You make so many mistakes when you're in, and most of them in, involve alcohol. I was an exception to that rule because I think in eight years I drank twice while I was in the Marine Corps and I did a lot of stupid stuff. <laughs> I was the guy that did it, did the stupid stuff regularly. <laughs> but I'll, I mean, you saved thousands of dollars though. Just, just so you know, you saved lots of money. I had so much fun. I, I had the ability to do crazy stuff and stupid stuff without really getting in trouble for it. It was That's an incredible talent, talent to have. 
Yeah, I was that guy. Like, no, Jen's not drinking. That's just who Jen is. (laughs) (laughs) I was like that in high school, and my daughters have grown to accept who their father is and actually, for the most part, enjoy it because it's funny to them. But I'm still – I have a lot of – a lot more tact strategically because I've matured and and been more concerned with other people, but I still haven't lost that sense of humor. So. Yeah. Most, most Marines I know we're all pretty dark humans when it comes to humor. We're just like kill something every day, no matter how small, just to maintain proficiency. We're very, (laughs) we're in a, we're in a darker place. um, And we're okay with that. I got this friend that is in business here locally and he, he owns a pest control company. He's, he calls himself the pest assassin and he's a Marine, but he's like, I just got to carry on something Jesus. like he uses his Marine mentality <laughs> to kill bugs. One so. spray, one kill. Like he's just very, <laughs> I, I can appreciate That's that. There, there's a Marine, a Marine Corps plumbing business here. And they're the only plumbers that we use whenever we've messed up enough at our house t- to do it. It's uh, it's great to support uh, Marines again. And again, I, I, I can't thank you enough for even for, for putting this together. S- such a such a great thing. I'm, I'm so pleased that it struck you in the way that it did. And I'm just so thankful that uh, that you're on this journey, Troy. Appreciate that, Curtis. Yeah, we're going to do great things with this. And uh appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be awesome. It's so important. I don't I don't think people talk about it enough when when people are stressed out and, you know, life life comes at you a bunch of different ways and you know, when you're a first responder, you're a veteran, like it's tough to get through. I don't think enough of us lean on each other like we should or sit down and talk enough. We got to be okay with talking about feelings and writing things down and trying to make things better. You know, we're we're all people and we're all we're all living on this spinning rock and we're we're trying to get it all figured out and it's not easy for everyone. I'm so thankful for everyone that does reach out and I love it when it does work. Hopefully you can reach enough people or someone whenever they're in need to make a difference, brother. I heard a guy a quote just two nights ago, he said the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, the opposite of addiction is connection. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, connection to other human beings. And I, I really just hope that this can connect people that have had similar experiences so that we can we can uh, hopefully save some lives, you know. You know, in order in order to really live your life, you have to connect with people and I, I hope I hope people decide to connect. Well thanks so much, Curtis. Uh have a great great night and a great week. I will. You do the same, Troy. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Please tell your friends and family so that we can bring more joy and awareness to those struggling with suicide ideation and the families who desperately need help after the loss of someone they love to suicide.
Ghost Turd Stories donates 50% of its profits from the sale of our merchandise line and our content subscriptions to carefully selected families of veterans and first responders who have taken their own life. The other 50% is used to grow the company in order to bring greater awareness of the struggle many veterans and first responders have relating to mental health challenges and suicide ideation. The profits from the sale of our books will go to pay the veterans and first responders whose stories are showcased and to build the company resulting in more people helped and lifted out of the struggle. To help spread the word and be part of the Ghost Turd Stories movement, you can purchase merchandise at ghostturdstories.myshopify.com. To be part of a growing community and movement and to subscribe to additional content besides our podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash ghost turd stories. Thank you.